0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Digital Masters podcast. Today we have Chris Walker, and he's going to be walking us through some of the fundamentals that he has used to grow his professional service firm, his marketing agency, from zero to over $2 million in annual revenue in just about a year. So let's get into it. What's going on, Chris? Hey, glad to have you on the show today thanks Stephen. how you doing man i'm doing great man and i appreciate you being accessible that's that's cool that i've always been able to message you and you always give a response and uh, i'm
1: super grateful to be on the show
0: yeah no cool man thanks uh so i've actually been following you for a while i've i've wanted to have you on my show for a while i um when COVID hit i actually switched from being in the tech field i totally switched into being a marketer and uh totally switched careers after 25 years uh i saw one of your posts. I basically took your playbook, created a podcast, started repurposing it. And, uh, I, I I wanted to reach out to you right away, but I was like, you know what, I should figure some of this stuff out before I, before I invite you on. And then, um, I started documenting what I was doing, going through that process. And I was even posting on that stuff. And then Angelica actually saw one of my posts and reached out to me and we started talking and she actually helped me get you on the show. And so I thought that, I thought that was pretty meta that. Uh, I was kind of implementing your stuff and before I actually reached out to you, your own team kind of helped me set this up. So I thought, <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. That's cool. How's it, how's the transition journey been going so far?
0: Well, I mean, you know, entrepreneurial wise, you go through a lot of ups and downs, right? So I went from doing technology to doing marketing. And so there's quite a shift in my own head that I kind of had to go through. I had to, there was a big learning curve, but, uh, But on the flip side, you know, I just started, just started doing it. Like I just, I was was getting a lot of advice from, from LinkedIn. Uh, I was watching you a lot. You started talking about context. And so I, I almost kind of shut down. I I wasn't listening to you as much because you, you did one post that basically said, Hey, here's the playbook for content marketing. (laughs) It was just one post and then I just took it and I just started executing it. And I kind of tuned everything else out. And I, I did go through a lot of different iterations in terms of like to where i am at this very moment um but i was listening to customers and all that kind of stuff like you taught so uh it's going well now (laughs) that's awesome i think that's a good
1: insight for a lot of people a lot of people that sit in linkedin and browse and consume information and don't actually implement or do anything um you got at some point you got to go out and do it you're not going to get the learnings my my uh, theory on this is learning is um 10 like reading consuming information, 20% watching an expert do it, and 70% doing it yourself. And so if you miss out on doing it yourself, or you don't actually go and execute, you miss out on a lot of the key learnings.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And looking back, I probably could have even done it even faster. Mm -hmm. um, If I had just, you know, you hit all these uncomfortable spots. But it's just really just because you're not doing it. And you're just not taking the action. So uh, so anyways, but uh, so you've you've grown your agency, your professional firm. To you know, I don't know exactly where it is now, but over over two million a year in in less than a year, or it was a year about about that, uh, and you did it mostly on LinkedIn. And one of the biggest things that I took away from from what you've always said was uh, to know your customer really well. Um, and everyone always says that, um, but you kept reiterating that. And then, so I was I was kind of hoping, and I actually, I, I made a comment in one of your posts at some point, I was asking for some extra advice on this, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you do your customer research. And then even more importantly, like once you've done that research, how do you put it into action? Because everyone has those templates for an ICP. It's like, it's got the little, the little person sitting there. And then these questions yeah. that you're asking. We, talk, we talked about
1: it on a podcast yesterday, Marketing Molly, um, Marketing Molly, which is a combination of untrue stereotypes matched with the pain points that you wish that, sh- that she was experiencing right It's completely not it's not real life I've seen enough of them to know that it's just like it's clear if you looked at the persona and you went and talked to marketing Molly that what you think is different than what marketing Molly actually does. Um, so I think that one's interesting in terms of um, in terms of customer research I feel like I'm always doing it. And so I'd like to go through a couple of examples. The first one is that like I worked inside of uh, B2B organizations that the CMOs that I'm trying to communicate with and eventually market and sell to, I've been inside of enough of those companies to have a good sense about what it's like for them in a board meeting. I've been in their board meetings before with my CMO, you know what I mean? So I had, I had a base of knowledge to understand this is what it's like to be a CMO at a venture funded company that is blah, blah, blah revenue, five, uh, 15, 30 and up. So I had that sense. The next thing that I did that I think was unique, and you'll you might be, you you'll definitely kind of get this, is that I started to have um, CMOs on a podcast. And for those listening, it's in air quotes because it wasn't even a real podcast. This is in 2019 before we had ever launched Data Demand Gen. And I just had them on a Zoom, and we recorded it. And that recording would go on YouTube that very few people ever saw. But I had an hour to talk to these eight CMOs at the exact type of companies that I want to work with, that um, have never heard of me, and at that point would never be interested in working with me. And I just got to understand, and I would ask them questions. Like you're, it's in a podcast interview, so it's like it's it's not, you know what I mean? Like you're asking questions and you're learning. And I also got to throw out some of my points of view and see how people respond. And I think it's a lot of the way that I, um, the way that I get information now is that I communicate and then i feel how people respond right and so i was doing that in a podcast i do it often in linkedin i say this quite a bit like now that i have an audience on linkedin and even when i even when i had a small audience right it doesn't matter the vol- the numbers now make it more scalable but it was i was doing the same thing at the beginning i was i would say things and i would listen to how everyone else resp- how people responded i would look at okay the um, vp of sales at this type of company responds this way But the CMO at this type of company responds this way. And I started to, you start to feel, you get objections, you get people that agree with you, you get stories, you can then dive in there. People then send you DMs. Like at the beginning, it was super interesting when I was posting content. I still get them a little bit, but I got them a lot at the beginning, which was like, I work inside of a company just like what your post just said, and you're right. And none of our leaders get it. And I couldn't even like your post because I was afraid they might see it yeah and I, so i and so you get these data points and people are t- like i've seen it inside of companies and now i'm communicating and i'm getting clear data from people inside of these company inside of other companies that this is a problem and you start to just keep going and so the idea is to build a like build a system where you are constantly communicating and constantly listening and that's what i have right now
0: yeah that's cool and then like and that that is kind of like what i went through too like i like when I first started doing what I was doing, I started to, I I created like a group of people um, that we would all talk about stuff. And then there were problems with what I was trying to implement with them. Um, And so I started talking with them about it. And then I would, I would create, like, I would just reach out to people and and, uh, have conversations with them. This is actually before I did the podcast. Um, And I would just record it. And sometimes I'd even go back and and listen to the recording in detail. And like, uh, if, like, did I lose them? Or did they, Repeat back what I said in a different way or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But for you, do you like, do you document it somewhere? Do you write these notes down somewhere? Do you have like this big, this master list that you w- work from, or is it just kind of sitting in your head?
1: It's just in my head. Yeah. Because in the, and part of the point is that it's, it's changing so frequently that it makes no sense to document it. Right. Like at least from in my point of view, and and we're talking about companies like this size, as opposed to the thousand person B2B SaaS organization, where in my view, I think everyone in their marketing department should be doing some form of customer interaction to learn. But that's just not what they do. Right. Like they have one person go in and kind of do it and then put it in a document and then everyone else reads it, which is why a lot of the marketing doesn't hit because the the insight from the customer is wrong. Um, the next thing that I did, I want to just make sure people get this, is starting when, um, when the quarantine happened about uh, nine months ago now, maybe 9, nine 10, is that we started a, uh, a live Zoom community that turned into a key content pillar on our podcast but also serves as a ridiculous form of market research because you have 50 to 100 B2B SaaS demand marketers in there that are, you know, one to two levels below a CMO that probably have more understanding at the tactical level of what's actually going on at that level, asking you questions, and then you can interpret based on their questions what they're going on, and I can dive deeper. So whenever someone tells me, hey, we're trying to, t- to do content syndication, instead of telling them to not do it, I say, why are you trying to do it? Uh, you know, Or what? It, w- when you did try it, what result did you get? And then when you when 10 people ask you the question, and then you ask those questions, and you get the same answer from 10 people, you realize, and then you com- compare it to what you see in other companies, Salesforce instances that are doing it. You're like, okay, so they're doing it because they want $50 leads, and they're getting this result, which is that not, very few to close to none of them become customers. And we've seen that across these data points as well as our own data. And uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing it, but that it just gives you a, the, the whys, I think, are really important. I, I have have learned to ask why quite a bit now, um, because it's the under, it's the underlying things going on inside of the company that I find very interesting.
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you opened up one other thing that I was going to touch on a little bit later. Um, but like, so before I get there, so now you got all this information in your head and now you have to apply it to a bunch of different things. You gotta, you gotta create videos. Although I guess most of your videos are coming from just live recordings and and discussions. Um, but just like in terms of like just even writing like the landing page for your site like how are like how do you take what you're learning from all these customers and then put it back into the content into your posts uh, so that so that it makes sense to the people that are buying from you
1: because when you communicate it enough like i didn't need to sit down and synthesize it i've been communicating it a lot and consistently refining it until we got to a point and then we're out, we're going to watch a website next week and so um, that is where, like a, that year, that body of work from a year of research and listening is going to actually come through into a, into a messaging framework, um, and I think that was was really interesting. But the the point here is to to not almost not need to do that, right? There's no the the synthesizing happening in your head in real time.
0: Actually, gotcha, because you're just always communicating. When you're posting, you're essentially just doing the same thing. You're just saying that you're just recommunicating it from your thoughts. Totally. It's already
1: been said on a recording like this. And then it's just getting written in text with a video on top of it that's been recorded. And then I get to, and then I get to listen. Right. And so sometimes like I'll post things, not get the engagement that I would normally get or get a, a you know, borderline negative, however you want to say it, not a positive response from people. And then I get to take that back and and say, this is the part that wasn't communicated well. How do I need to reframe this or perhaps I'm wrong. Right. And so those are, those are some of the
0: things that i've been doing yeah that's cool um so i i was gonna ask this later but just since we were talking about it, so when you designed your your weekly show or your weekly q a like your your customer and correct me if i'm wrong is is the cmo or the the target persona that you're going after is the the CMO. The, the, the decision maker ultimately yeah but then your your q a is mixed up of of mostly marketers it's not necessarily cmos or so it's like when you, when you, it's like your content almost has two audiences. It has the, the primary one, which is the one that's going to buy your services. But then it seems like you're also kind of catering to another group of people that, uh, and you're helping another group of people. Because And even when I look at your LinkedIn stuff, a lot of the people that are responding to you are, are, are the mar- other marketers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm covering across the board, like the primary secondary audience is something that's developed in business school that doesn't actually need to be done inside of most companies, right? Like, um, like, I'm communicating to people about marketing at a deep tactical level at sometimes and a very high level strategic level at another times. And both of them are going to play, right? And I get that the comments are coming from a lot of the manager level. But the CMOs are watching it. They're just not commenting and they're not liking it because potentially of what it would look like when there are other people in their organization see that they like my post that is directly against what that organization believes, right? And so mm-hmm. that's, I'm, I have empathy for that. I get, I get, understand those dynamics and the idea that the marketing manager that consumes the content and starts doing the stuff and starts having success, that that person wouldn't go to the VP of marketing and say, Hey, this is working. I would like to bring them in. And then you get brought in is it, it just that happened to us a month ago it happens right like I, I say this a lot but i need people to understand like if you are only tar- targeting c-suite you are making a huge mistake there are so many influencers inside of these sales that can that can give you access to the decision maker with a lot more context and a lot more trust and so um the the strategy is not like uh uh we're going after cmos or marketers i'm i'm selling into marketing departments to change their to transform their
0: marketing strategy right and and Mm -hmm. and it sounds like to me and correct me if i'm wrong but it's like you're not necessarily like designing different pieces of content to target different people you're just kind of no way yeah so so you, you have a broad a broad spectrum and you're just constantly pumping different things out you covered this for this group this time the one today was about say, like sdrs you know what i mean yeah like
1: uh, i'm communicating at a at a, a revenue generation level and so like we get i get a lot of engagement from vps of sales on that one and the vp of sales that feels that pain do you think they have access to the cmo yeah and so the 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 key is that I'm not designing this in a way where the CMO sees this thing and then enters into some like funnel. That's not what I'm doing. I'm I'm communicating things with no no intent for those people to see it and then immediately come by, which is why there's no CTAs and there's no tracking links and all those different things. When people trust you, especially in a professional service firm, you need trust in order to even have the shot at a deal. So you need trust, and when those people trust you, they are smart enough to find you if they need you. Yeah, that's interesting. I did notice that you never had the the calls to action. It just it it shows a um uh it takes away from the quality of the information because it shows your real intent is to get someone to do whatever you want and I don't have that intent, so I don't have those there.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's one of the places I get stuck sometimes like I'm kind of a, like I'm an engineer. That's my background. So I like to just like i like everything to be like systemized and so i think sometimes i even overthink it i'm like i'm trying to do this but it's just like and here's the interesting thing too is like when i don't think about it and i just post something that's kind of like more from the gut it usually does better
1: when i'm in when i'm in content mode i am chris the guy that knows a lot about demand gen and marketing not chris the ceo of refine labs And that is a clear line that I draw that most people can't draw. And so, and that's why I believe my content is successful because there's, there's nothing that I need to get out of this. It's just to share the information. And honestly, most of the people listening to this will take the information would either not be qualified or would never buy from me. And that's totally
0: cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it's helped me a lot. I mean, for sure. So, so another thing I wanted to get into as well is because I, I talk to a lot of professional service firms, like a lot of them and mm-hmm. uh, brand, like most of them are just doing the very traditional things. They're networking, going to networking groups. And what's interesting mm-hmm. now is the networking groups are just like, they're just like all on zoom and mm-hmm. they're for like an hour and a half. And it just becomes like this mini social network where you get like 30 seconds to chat uh, with somebody or to say what you do. So they, they don't, uh, they don't necessarily always value brand, like building a brand. Um, and I know it's it's still things like that, whether you're at an actual event and you're,
1: and you're communicating versus going to a virtual event, that is still a brand activity. This, the scalability and the reach of it is just very low.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a good point. Um, but one thing that I have noticed though, is like when, when I talk to them about doing LinkedIn or, or doing something other than that, like producing content and putting that out there, they, uh, they're always looking for that ROI. And I'm always trying to explain, explain that to them. And I was just hoping that you could, you could explain a little bit about it. Like how, how should people that are used to doing things very traditionally think about ROI and going onto LinkedIn and posting and doing that kind of thing.
1: What's the ROI of going to a, uh, you know, networking dinner with six people that you don't know. It's the same. It's literally the same thing, except there's 60 million or more people. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's literally the same thing. And so, um, I get, uh, I get concerned on things like this on LinkedIn, which is just a, a social place on the internet that mirrors things like a networking event in real life. That the idea that you have a different expectation on the internet versus in real life, and I think that's really what people need to understand. Like. The people out there with ctas on their linkedin post is like you go up to someone at a networking event and say hey i'm john i saw that you did this do you want to come and have a meeting with me right and you know what i mean and so it's just like you're gonna you're gonna strike out a lot of the, in those cases and you're gonna look like a jerk and so um and you look like the same amount of a jerk when you do it on the internet
0: yeah you know, yeah that's that's true you've made you've made several posts about how like thinking of linkedin like a networking group and i just i just run across a lot of the times like people come up to me and they're like hey so how many how many posts does it take before i get my first client and um, that that mindset will get you nowhere yeah i think that that mindset in itself is the thing that will prevent it from ever working mm-hmm. yeah
1: i mean I, I'll yeah, be, it's, it's like it's really it's actually really challenging for me to take a step back all the way back there and try and get someone over the hump here because I usually just like, uh, just pass by that. You know what I mean? Um, you think it, you think it's it's just too much, too much to explain. There's just just too much, there's just too much of a leap for someone that is stuck in that place in that type of business for me to expend a lot of energy trying to get there. Like we have the time here. I'd love to, I would love to try, but I honestly find it, I honestly find it challenging.
0: No, no, I get, Um, I I get what you're saying. I mean, and, and I have the most success when I'm talking to somebody too, when they like, they already have an inkling of doing some of these things. Like they are, they've already seen it work. One of the things mm-hmm. I do talk to them about though is like, it's like, you've likely bought a product from something that you saw on social media, even though they don't see how they could end up doing the same thing. hmm and, they, they, and
1: then even, and then getting in, like if, if you're not in over that, you need to get over the mindset hump first, because if you don't, if you're not over the mindset hub, then your content is not going to be good. And then after you post twice and it doesn't work, you're gonna give up, right? right? And so it's just like, um, like another example would be going to the gym. Like I've been going to the gym for a really long time and I don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I don't, over the past two days, I haven't seen a dramatic increase in my physique or my weight, my weight. Right. Right. And so those are, those are some of the things that people need to, uh, need to explore. If you are interested in building a big business that continues to grow and right now you are focused on networking events that have a very small total a total amount of people that could be there. Professional service firms when you actually look at it especially at this size trade purely on word of mouth in a local area, right? And so if you don't if you want to stop doing that and waiting for the next referral to come in and have some amount of control over your pipeline and some amount of control over your business, you're going to have to figure out this this stuff. Yeah and li- linkedin and podcasts are the places to do it for these types of companies because you're selling a service a a company needs to make a conscious choice that they don't want to do it themselves number one and that out of all of the available options which they consider a commodity no matter what you do in professional services your buyer thinks that you are a commodity for sure they do it for us too and so if you and so if you do not have a brand then you're going to be in a place where you need to be found first, or you're going to be in a pricing war with a lot of different vendors. And unless you're the lowest price, you're going to lose. Yeah. And so referral ends up being the the source of credibility and trust in that case. And I'm just saying that LinkedIn and podcasts are able to do that in a way that you actually have some control over.
0: Yeah. And plus, like you can reach out to people and create conversations with them. People that would not normally even just talk to you because you just say, Hey, come on my podcast and let's chat. Mm-hmm. One of the other things too that, I, like, that I've found for myself is like the ROI for me is just I'm learning how to do all these things. Like before I got on LinkedIn, I was never on video. I was kind of afraid to be on video. Uh, and I didn't, you know, you are just, there's all these different things that are in your way. And just by doing all these things, like even if I didn't get one customer from it, uh, and I have, but uh, it was just learning all these skills and getting on camera and Talking to all these people would have been been worth it. It's awesome, yeah. So one other quick question: I, I was talking to you a long time ago uh, on on one of your posts. I asked you, is like, so what about what about ads to to build brand? I know you do it for your your your, your the tech companies you work with, but what about a professional service firm? I, like, do you run ads to your own content, or do you not even need it? To, like, do professional firms should they even think about doing that to build brand?
1: We don't do it, and I don't recommend it. I just don't, think I think that in the current state, and this could change, right? Like the marketing landscape changes quickly in the current state and how it's been for the past 18 months, there's no need to run ads for your $1 million uh, run rate professional services firm. Zero. The reason being is that especially in a high, I, I, maybe it makes sense in some transactional models, maybe, um, but For the most part, if you're like ours, are high ticket. We're selling hundred k plus deals over here, hundred and fifty k plus deals. Right? It's going to be really hard to move someone across the line for that type of deal with a Facebook ad when they don't trust you. Right. Right. And so, like, we have people that come in and buy buy our very large packages. In with the the shortest one was a five day sales cycle for a two hundred k deal. That's awesome. The thing is that they were listening to the podcast for six months before they came in. And so um, those are some of the things that I think people people should think about.
0: Yeah. On that note, real quick, like when you first started out and it was just you, like what were the size of the, the deals you were doing when you first started?
1: Um, we've been able to get it up about double. I think our our deals were in like the um, 60 to 150 initially. And they've if they've gone up. It's mainly just because we've started to work with larger uh, larger companies that have more, um, complexities and also have a lot more upside and more, um, it, it matters more to those types of companies when the spends and the stakes get higher and therefore we're able to command a higher price for
0: it. Gotcha. Cool. So, so one thing that, you know, as a CEO, you're really visible on LinkedIn. And another thing that I do come across quite a bit is, and they say it very, very directly It's like, I'm, you know, I'm the CEO, I should, I have better things to do then, uh, yep. being up here it all the time, being present, our customers. Yeah. So like, maybe this is one of those things that's a bridge too far again, but like, what do you, I, cause to me, like, I like it's worked well for me. It's worked well for you. But, like, what do you tell people that think that they're too, they're too busy or they have better things to do? So I actually don't think
1: that it's necessarily any, I don't think anyone needs to do this. I'll just put it that way. If you think that there are better things to do, do whatever you think is the best. Just know that there is a very large opportunity sitting in front of you that you're missing out on. Additionally, we are not going backwards, right? So when it's not LinkedIn and it's something else, the skills that you learn on LinkedIn that you didn't learn, a ton of people are going to have another advantage over you in the future, right? It's like the idea of people that are truck drivers that understand that um, self-driving trucks are going to come eventually and they're not doing anything about it just put your business at risk um there are marketing agencies that don't do linkedin right now and i'm stealing their customers that they would that they probably would have gotten if they were you know smarter so um those are those are some of the things like i'm interested in a very long we're we're getting good short-term results and i think i'm confident that people when done well a lot of people will get good short-term results it's about mindset but i'm way more focused on the long term this thing doesn't if you keep doing the right things this thing compounds right like our results this month are it's it's growing non-linearly exponentially from q3 of last year because the audience scales and so you get everything done with one person as opposed to needing to scale out in sales reps or sdrs or all these other ideas which most professional services firms will do they'll hire an outsource sdr firm that writes spam cold emails and linkedin
0: right yeah and, and i can attest to that too man because like when i first got on linkedin that that was really the first experience i had on a social platform like i, I hadn't really done much b- before that but then, mm-hmm. then then when TikTok came out like i've been playing around on there a little bit and uh i'm not saying i've mastered it i've just experimented i, I just wanted to mm-hmm. like know what was going on uh, it did give me a lot of creativity towards what i was doing on link, linkedin because it just kind of opened my eyes a little bit but i was a lot more comfortable going there and uh and just experimenting because I had Mm -hmm. already been doing this for like nine months.
1: And so you like, you need people that are listening that run businesses that think they're going to still be in business in, in three, five, 10 years, need to think about figuring this stuff out. Right. I've started creating content for social networks in 2013 on Facebook to sell things, e-commerce organic and paid. And then I moved to Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn and then on-site video and now podcast. And you know we're experimenting with some other ones, but those are the majors. And it's been a almost it's probably been eight years now, that amount of knowledge gives me a massive advantage over someone that's starting today. And people need to think about that in their business, especially in businesses like ours.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the like, for me, one of the biggest learnings that I've actually come away with is like, when you first start doing social media, you get you get a little bit polluted by the feed, like you're just getting all this information. And it kind of, I don't know if it does for you, but like it kind of threw me off. Like actually your post about context actually really helped me. Cause I was just like, all of a sudden I set up this filter that I could, that I could sift through things. But like, mm-hmm. I think even just learning how not to get like absorbed by these platforms is is a skill in, in, in mm-hmm. itself. That that seems like something that you've kind of mastered. It's like, do you like have like a routine you go through? Like you come in, you do this, you do this, you do this, or?
1: I I don't have it like down to a, there's nothing that I could say instructionally that would help people on this one. I just like, when I have two minutes between this podcast, and my next meeting, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to answer whatever comments I can. I'm going to listen to the things that people are saying. I'm going to check some things. Like I just like, I get it in. It's, it's like, I consider what I'm doing. Part of my job, listening to customers, communicating with customers, create doing business development, creating leads and sales growing the business faster than any other way possible without taking on external funding, right? Like it's one, it's one of the most important parts of my job communicating the narrative to the market. And so like people that don't think that this is a part of their job, I think is where the root is like, let's just shove this off to Susie the marketing manager and let her post organic on social. She, she knows business. She knows about our business and our customers, but she often, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about marketing managers or Susie, um, but oftentimes those people don't actually have a good understanding of their customers and know how to drive a business
0: with these tools. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and then do, do you have, like, have you guys played around with TikTok at all? Um,
1: in terms of like, uh, experimentation, we are doing some experimentation. We're also like, we haven't actually run anything, but we're looking at it from a media standpoint, like a paid media standpoint, um, just to be ready, right? Like it's not ready for a B2B environment, but If it does, we want to be able to um, kind of be like one of the first there and also be able, we, part of our job is to innovate for our customers. And so having, having a good sense and a a good um, position on how that matters to their businesses, I I think, again, part of our, part of our role and why they pay us.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think it's been kind of interesting just to see what's going on over there. And uh, I don't know, it does, it has opened up my eyes, like creativity wise, like there's just interesting things happening there. And it definitely like. I have been able to transport things that I learned there and, and use the, those learnings to kind of stand out a little bit on LinkedIn, even just taking some of the videos I've done on TikTok, And I just repost them on LinkedIn and they, mm-hmm. they just look different because you can add some effects to it and it's kind of the vertical thing and it's not the square and it just kind of, so well, cool. One last thing I was just interested in, cause I come from a tech background and I know you do too, it's like, what are some of the things from your tech background that, that have helped you out in, in marketing?
1: So for those that are, are listening, and like in terms of my education, I uh, studied electrical computer engineering and biomedical engineering and worked in engineering for a short period of time and then moved to product management. And then after product management, moved into downstream comms to de- demand generation inside of uh, venture-funded companies and then started a, started a business. And in the middle of that, I also built several e-commerce companies on the side, which taught me a lot of things about marketing and, and direct-to-consumer work. And so, when we get to my like education, the things of the the what a STEM education gives you is the ability to solve problems, and to be analytical, and to um, think about things in at a system level, and to understand how a change here would impact a change here. And uh, and then I moved on and did some experience inside of like lean manufacturing, instead of high volume manufacturing places, which gave me a huge insight. And now I take that experience in high volume manufacturing and I translate it to. Um, and I translate the principles of that to what it's like within a 10,000, uh, lead per month revenue engine inside of a B2B SaaS org, right? And there's waste everywhere in that revenue engine. And um, if it was on a manufacturing floor that all that waste would have been eliminated by now, but but companies in that focus on, or that are on the revenue side, they don't look at it the same way a person in manufacturing would. And so I think I just have a very broad set of, of useful business skills that can then be applied in a lot of different ways. Um, and so those are some of the things that I think are, are helpful and give me an advantage. There are very few marketers that have this type of background. There are very few marketers that have gone and developed products with engineering. There are very few customers that religiously talk to customers. There are very few people that, that marketers that can get into a Salesforce CRM, integrate it with certain tools, push data in places and understand how the, what that's going to do. right? And so all of those different, there's very few marketers that understand how to read a P&L. And so all those things put together give me a massive advantage over the rest of the market you know what i mean
0: yeah well i I do kind of know what you mean too because like like for me getting into marketing was a steep learning curve but i think the like kind of like you like the one thing that helped me out is i had a previous business that i grew an agency a tech agency and uh so i learned a lot of the business stuff and uh that was kind of my crutch for getting into marketing because i I had to learn all the marketing stuff, but then I had all these other learnings about building a business and I was doing some of those things. I just wasn't doing it intentionally. So I just kind of had to like figure some of that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Well, cool, man. So, uh, I feel like this is an obvious question, but go ahead and tell people like what you do and like where they can get a hold of you.
1: Sure. Um, I'm the CEO of Refine Labs. It's a, uh, It's a B two B marketing consulting firm that transforms B two B SaaS demand generation programs, mainly for sales led organizations. Um, And we do that through our our um, our process and changing metrics, and then changing and training the team, and then changing strategy. Um, And so um, that's what we do. You can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Walker, and also on on the podcast, which is becoming really popular and helping a lot of people. And that's called the State of Demand Gen Podcast, available on Apple and Spotify.
0: Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you being on, this is a true honor. And I, I do I do appreciate that you're very accessible and that stands out. Um, and so thanks for being on the show, man, I appreciate it.
1: Awesome, thanks Stephen. to the audience. Hope this was helpful and uh, hope you have a great day.